Feeding the Flock, and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 3 at verse 8. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 8 of chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. So we find ourselves in the middle of chapter 3 of Ephesians, and uh, in order to uh, catch up or at least give the context of where this paragraph is, as you notice, uh, it, be it began, verse 8, uh, with, uh, to me, the very least of all saints. That, by its very phrasing, uh, means something else has, has uh, brought Paul to this concluding remark or this, this next stage. It might be a better way of putting it. This, stage, this next stage of his own um, delivery of what he wants to say. And, uh, uh, and in order to get that context, we go back to chapter 3, uh, about verse, uh, verse 2. It says, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, Paul understands there's a certain responsibility. This responsibility is quite uh, enormous, you might say. It's quite elaborate, uh, might be a better way of saying it. And uh, that is, uh, this is a stewardship, a responsibility that God has given to the Apostle Paul in particular for some reason. And uh, it's not like God has left anybody else out uh, because uh, uh, everybody else benefits from what uh, uh, Paul received. And that is exactly what he says in verse 3 of chapter 3, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. Uh, and, and verse 4 says, by, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, verse 5, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, that's, that's this mystery. The mystery is Gentiles and Jewish believers both have been incorporated into this new thing, this new stewardship, or at least uh, the revelation of this uh, stewardship is, um, is what Paul uh, is responsible for. And it is an administration, and that's what we get to here in the passage in front of us. Now, uh, chapter 1 has to do with our position in Christ as a body. Uh, chapter 2 has to do with our position in Christ as a temple, as members of that 
a new holy temple. And um, then chapter 3 is this mystery. And so the first 13 verses here, uh, which uh, we are currently in, uh, talks about revealing the mystery. And then uh, verses 14 through 21 in chapter 3 talk about receiving the fullness. And revealing the mystery includes this new administration that we just uh, talked about uh, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery. And the word mystery, by the way, uh, means uh, doesn't mean perhaps what you might first think it is, and that is uh, it's not some, some puzzle to figure out or a riddle to be solved. This is something that was hidden from uh, being revealed, and it was hidden by God, but yet now has been revealed in what we now call the New Testament. That's why we call it the New Testament, is that it wasn't in the Old Covenant. Uh, There were some hints at it, and there were some prophetic words about it. But, uh, But the actual administration on earth of this new thing is is a work of God that he has now created as a special work. And um, it is known as the body of Christ. He's already referred to that. And uh, also, it's known as the church. He's already referred to that earlier in in chapter 1, in fact. And uh, chapter 1 and 2. So he's already mentioned that. that this is something new, this gathering uh, of believers, regardless of ethnic background, regardless of languages, regardless of of skin color, regardless of any of those other uh, cultural differences, they gather together because of one thing, their new identity in Christ, and they've been placed into this new work of God, and it is it is a new administration. And Paul feels responsible of laying this administration out so that people can understand it because they are accustomed, and especially the Jewish believers in uh, now uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, when they have believed in Jesus, their Messiah, then this is now puts them on a, on a strange uh, pathway, you might say, uh, uh, culturally speaking, and because they have been accustomed to seeing things and doing things uh, according to the Old Covenant. Uh, but this new administration was presented in verses uh, 1 through 7, and it's, it was preached in verses 8 through 9, and now it has purpose in verses 10 through 13. And that's the passage that we, re- we read uh, in this episode. So Paul begins by saying, to me, the very least of all saints. Paul says, I am the, 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 uh, uh, the one least likely to have been given this kind of responsibility. And Paul says, I know that. Uh, and uh, uh, Paul has similar attitudes that he lets out in other places, like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. This is what he's referring to, you see. He was, he was the, the um, he says, the least of all saints. That's the reason why he considers himself that way. Uh, now, if people just stopped reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, and merely uh, stopped reading and closed their Bible, they wouldn't get the benefit of the next of what Paul has to say about himself. In other words, uh, Paul has been misjudged in all sorts of ways. Either he's this pragmatic or this this authoritarian uh, apostle uh, that uh, 
uh, uh, brooks no enemies and and finds no common ground, and uh, or he's he's this uh, 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 what it seems like here. Like he he lacks a lot of self esteem, and he and he uh, doesn't understand who he is, or or any number of things. He's he's got this inferiority complex. But you see, that's not at all what's going on with Paul. If you continue to see all the things he says about himself. He considers the fact that he has a past, and that past he's not trying to hide. He just says, uh, that disqualifies me from being anybody special. It's not about me being special. It's not about me being uh, something uh, that uh, deserved this or earned this. Uh, and he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about this, this responsibility, this stewardship to uh, reveal this mystery, this administration. He says in verse 10 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, uh, don't worry, I'm going to get back to Ephesians here in a moment. But if you consider uh, the context or the conclusion of his passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So he has no trouble with his own self-esteem. He knows he's accomplished a lot. And in fact, he seems to uh, evaluate his ministry in, in terms of, if you looked at it in some ways, I've done more than anybody else. But you see, he's not taking the 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 neither the blame for his past nor he's take nor is he taking the glory for his current success he is saying it's the grace of god this is a gift and paul wants you to know he realizes that this is a gift god has given me this uh, and uh, i received it but that's all <laughs> it's something i received it's not something i worked myself into this is something God has given to me. Uh, you see, he says in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, for through, I'm sorry, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Verse 3, uh, uh, part A of verse 3, it says in uh, Romans 12, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. You see, that is Paul's attitude about himself. That is his instruction to others. Don't think any more highly than you ought to think. Remember where you came from, but don't be depressed by where you came from. Receive the gift of God and the gifts of God that he has for you. And that's what he says in verse uh, five. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we have received a gift. That gift is we are partakers in this new organism, this spiritual organism that is referred to as a spiritual body. And it's classified later on in the, the passage in Ephesians as being the church, the ecclesia in the Greek word. And we'll get to that in a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so we shouldn't feel... Uh, like we should go around belittling ourselves as if that makes us humble, and we shouldn't go around bragging about about ourselves as as if that makes us uh, more qualified. What we should do is receive God's grace, and that is a gift. We receive the gift, and we know it's a gift. But in the gift, then we know we can operate fully 
according to God's original design, according to his creativity inside of us, according to his power inside of us, according to his purposes inside of us. So if it's all from him, then it's nothing of me. And if it's all of him, then then uh, there's no reason to apologize or to brag. Either way, it says, um, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. And that's what he's doing. Uh, this, uh, th- there is no depths to which you can plumb this. Uh, you can't reach the bottom of God's grace here. Uh, you can't reach the bottom of, of the riches in Christ. He's given it all, and he's given it all not to merely the, the Jewish believers who ha- have inherited all of the the Old Testament scriptures and have inherited the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, inherited the land from, uh, from, uh, uh, that had been promised to Abraham, inherited the covenant of law from, from Moses. But not only that, but you see, as Gentiles, we have the unfathomable, that means the unplumbed depths of the riches of Christ, just as equals. And uh, that's what Paul is trying to get out here. Uh, verse 1 starts, for the sake of you Gentiles. In verse 6, he says, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the Gospels. Remember you uh, that you, the Gentiles, and uh, that's what he says in Chapter 2, verse 11, the Gentiles have been incorporated into this new administration, and Paul is letting us in on the secret. So let's, uh, let's rejoin again after this short break. Let's continue on in this passage in Ephesians chapter 3. And um, uh, verse 8 uh, concludes with this, um, this phrase, the unfathomable riches of Christ. Uh, that's a little bit difficult to pronounce sometimes, especially when you're in a hurry. But uh, what that refers to is the fact that what we have gained in Christ is immeasurable. You can't, you can't uh, uh, list this out and contain it in a uh, on a clipboard. You can't measure it with a measuring tape and uh, and find out what its length is. You, it is immaterial. That means that means it's spiritual. That means there is no depth to the riches of Christ. Um, in Romans chapter eleven, verse thirty-three, it says, "Oh, the depth of the riches." both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. And so uh, uh, his ways are, are, are immeasurable. And this is a part of the testimony of how it can't be. It can't be contained. This has a certain infinite value. This is, uh, this is not a finite thing. This has 
a, a beginning that, that we can't reach or measure. It has an end that we can't reach or measure. And there's lots of things that we can, but uh, not this particular thing. This is something God has done, and it's in the Messiah. And the Gentiles have inherited the work of the Jewish Messiah, and when they have inherited that work, they inherit him, and they inherit what he has purchased for them. So it says in verse 9, and to bring to light what is the administration. Uh, You see, this is the administration of the mystery. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door of the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear the way I ought to speak. And he's not merely talking about the gospel necessarily, although it probably includes that, but it talks about the mystery of Christ. And here is a not just a mystery about Jesus himself and his origins and his, and his, uh, his career and uh, the outcome of that career, but also um, uh, us in relation to him. We are a mystery. This administration that Paul has been uh, given is a um, is a mystery. He says, and he says so uh, as if you didn't get it the first time by repeating the phrases afterward, for uh, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. God has created all things. Now he's creating this, and this is something new. This isn't a national identity. He's, he's created that already. This isn't a, a DNA identity. He's created that already. This is not a, uh, um, a constitutional uh, identity. Uh, He's created that already in the law of Moses for the Jewish people. Uh, So this is something different. And, and, And yet it's the same God. And that's what he wants you to know. He created all things and now he's creating this. And, um, so some people kind of buckle at, at some of these ideas that come out in this passage because they say uh, things like, or they quote things like, uh, uh, God is the same or Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow. Well, that's true. But that verse, don't take that verse out of context. It is very true that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, that's so true uh, because that's who he is. That's a description of his character. That's a description of his essence. He himself does not change, but God has has over uh, a period of various times and various functions has changed the operating procedures uh, for people on earth, not changed uh, salvation, how sinners get saved, but he has changed by giving them more revelation and then holding them responsible for more revelation and giving them more on top of that, giving them more on top of that. And at, at every junction or every threshold of more revelation, then there is a different kind of responsibility. And this threshold, this uh, crossroads or uh, or this uh, uh, this junction has to do with this new administration, and that is this is a an international uh, kind of thing. This is a interracial kind of thing. It is an interethnic uh, kind of thing and uh, interlanguage kind of thing. This is something that coagulates by the Spirit of God working on the hearts of sinners, all sinners, to come to Jesus for their salvation. 
when you come to trust in Jesus that he died for your sins, you are equal, equal to all the others, regardless of their religious background, regardless of their languages uh, or anything else, regardless of, of how committed they were to the to the scriptures. It doesn't matter. You are an equal because you now realize Jesus paid for your sin. And uh, in this case, it changes the dimension of how we relate to each other according to this administration. He says, and God created it. He is a creator and he's not done creating. And this is his newest creation, according to Paul, and according to the implication here. He says, but look, this didn't come out of nowhere. This isn't just an empty thing that that God did uh, because um, uh, everything else uh, uh, failed. It says in verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, uh, this was not a uh, an afterthought with God. This is something that he put into place now for a reason. There, this is something that he kept secret uh, within himself for a reason. And now he's letting it out of the bag, so to speak. And uh, And so he created all things. Now he's created this. Earlier in chapter 1, verse 22, he says, and he put, uh, he's talking about God, he put all things in subjection under his feet. That's talking about Jesus, his son, and gave him as head over all things to the church. So God is the creator of all things, and he's given his son not only to pay the price for, for sin, but also to be head or to be Lord over the church, the the uh, the gathering of God's saints, and so there are many other administrations in the works of God, and uh, we don't have time to get into all of them. But uh, many of them are based upon, of course, uh, the changes of God's covenants and uh, the changes of of the principles involved in practicing those covenants and uh, what those things meant. But uh, this is a, a new administration that Paul himself feels responsible because God has revealed it to him. You might say that this mystery is the um, is the tagline inside the um, the uh, prophecies given to Daniel when Daniel had been given this this uh, uh, panorama of a timetable. There is something that happened after sixty nine. Uh, uh, weeks of years uh, th- that the Messiah was cut off and had nothing. And yet there is a 70th year or a 70th week, that means seven year period still yet to be played out in Daniel chapter nine, verses 26 and 27, that uh, that hasn't played out yet. And so uh, so there is a gap. And that means we are that mystery. God has inserted himself into that that timetable after the Messiah was cut off and had nothing, and before uh, this uh, new thing, this uh, different thing uh, happens in the last seven years of uh, history of the uh, the global empire surrounding uh, Israel. And so this is now something new. God has created this. It was hidden in ages past. Daniel didn't see it. Isaiah didn't see it. Jeremiah didn't see it. Ezekiel didn't see it. Uh, uh, but it was there. It was just kept hidden. And God has now revealed it. And he chose Paul to do so. Well, that's very interesting. It says, so that the manifold wisdom, this is a, this is a colorful wisdom. God has given us a colorful wisdom in himself 
by bringing people together in the body of Christ. And uh, he says it's according to an eternal purpose. He had this planned all along. He just didn't let you know about it ahead of time. And that's what he's telling you here. He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is part of what his son has accomplished for us, all of us, uh, Jewish and Gentiles alike. He has done this for us in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. If we've trusted in him, we can go to God faithfully. Uh, we could go to God uh, confidently. And uh, that's what uh, Paul is encouraging here, that, that this is an eternal thing. And this is to be a testimony to the angels, even to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, he says in uh, verse 10. So this has a testimony, a global, not just a global testimony on earth. It has a, a, a cosmic testimony. Do you realize that your local congregation, when you meet in Jesus's name, uh, the angels are, are witnessing that. And uh, so that uh, you're giving testimony to them what grace does in a sinner's heart when it captures a sinner and says, Jesus died for you, that uh, uh, you become a part of an eternal purpose. And that eternal purpose uh, includes having boldness before God and confidence to go, go to God through Christ Jesus. And then it says, in whom we have boldness and confidence, access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. So this is a testimony to angels. And uh, the presence of angels have, is involved in the New Testament. Um, there is such a thing as that uh, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9, it, he talks about the apostles, uh, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, 21, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his holy, his chosen angels. And uh, Hebrews talks about ministering spirits. First uh, Peter chapter one, verse 12 talks about uh, it was revealed to them. That is the Old Testament prophets who were serving themselves. But you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And that's exactly what Paul says. Uh, this is for your glory and it's for the testimony uh, a cosmic testimony to the entire uh, universe. And we are a part of that if you've trusted Christ. And so we draw near with confidence, according to Hebrews 4.16, and we have confidence to enter the holy place, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so this is all a part of God's original plan, but he didn't let it out until just after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the sending of his spirit to inhabit the apostles. He says, so Paul says, you see, the reason why I carry this responsibility is also the reason why I face these tribulations myself, these these uh, persecutions. Paul experienced persecutions right along with the others around him. And uh, he, he, that's one of the reasons. If he compromised what he had to uh, proclaim, what he had to preach and teach, then he wouldn't have had these, these uh, complications. But he does. And uh, guess what? He's, he credits the fact that 
He's willing to do this. This is not about him. It's not about me, Paul says. It's not about my tribulations. It's about your glory. That's Paul's purpose in the ministry, even facing these hard times for the fact that he's proclaiming a new message and a a misunderstood message by many. Yet, yet he's doing it for the glory of God and for the glory of the believers that he's led to Christ, for the glory of their congregation as they gather together as a local church, giving testimony to the world that includes the angels and the men and women around them. And uh, may God bless his word. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you, Father, for giving us these insights into who we are in Christ. And I pray that would, that these things would enrich us to give us the right priorities, the right mindset, the right way of looking at ourselves and the world around us, the right way of looking at our purpose. We give you thanks and praise for all you've done for us on our behalf through your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock. <laughs>